There we go. All right, everybody. Welcome. Happy Sunday. I hope you're all trying to keep cool wherever you are. I know right here today it's it's coming down now. We topped out at 108 degrees. 108. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, and that means we can get to you no matter where you're at. The problem is California is a big state. So we might have to take a couple of days before we can get to you. However, we do, as a paranormal team, uh, we've been around for 19 years. So we do have staff mediums that can call you until we can get out there and kind of sort through what might be going on. I mean, in most cases, calm things down. I'm looking over at TikTok today. How you doing? I cannot see your comments. I apologize. Uh, you're on my cell phone. <laughs> you're on my iPhone 11, so I can't read them. However, um, I'll take a glance at them before I shut everything down today. I'll be getting my uh, iPad hopefully in the next few months, and uh, hopefully in the next two or three months I'll have an iPad, and I'll be able to start reading your comments. But until then, this is it. You're also kind of at an angle. Last couple weeks when I've done this, oh, it's very hot. Last couple weeks when I've done this, I've had it hooked up really weird because I have to have the power in, so you fell. <laughs> I didn't want to drop you this week. Okay, I've been dropping you. But I want to welcome everybody on Facebook and TikTok. I am still in YouTube jail. So that's why we are primarily broadcasting on YouTube and TikTok today. So I hope uh, my uh, people over on, I'm sorry, on, ah, I'll show you where I'm at. So we are primarily broadcasting on Facebook and TikTok today. All right. And I know you to TikTok people, you probably hear something in the background. Again, I have a through-the-window air conditioner here. And normally I would turn it off for an hour show, but it's not going to happen today. It's 108 outside. So... Um, that's why I've got the headset on and I'm broadcasting this way. I also wanted to let everybody know if, on Facebook and TikTok that this is a PG-13 show. Sometimes it could be an R show, all right? So if there's something you don't like about the show or something in the book you don't like, do me a favor. Don't, you know, don't, don't, don't get me censored for seven days or ban me or anything like that. Just take off. You don't have to stay here and listen. No one's holding a gun to your head to listen. So, you know, if there's something that you don't agree with with the show, just let, you know, just, just move on. Okay, like I said, PG-13, sometimes bordering on R. This week we're starting a new book. It's called Omnipresent by our good friend Lynn Monet. She's been on my regular show, California Haunts Radio, two or three times. And uh, she uh, nicely offered it, uh, her book. And so we, we finished off Anna Maria Manalo's book last week. And so we're starting Lynn Monet's book. And she has a very scary story to tell about buying a haunted house. She wasn't informed or told that there was any kind of haunting or activity going on in the home. So she buys this house. She's got a young family. And the stuff that transpired after she bought the house is really scary. So if you guys are into scary stories, this is the way to be. She is also the publisher of the book. So we have complete permission. No copyright errors on any of this. Complete permission to read the book. And, yeah, from the publisher and the writer. Okay. So I usually read for about an hour, and like I said, this is the first round with Omnipresent, and I'm really excited to be able to read it live. So I'll be reading it off my ta off my uh, uh, laptop screen, so I'll, occasionally you know, I'll pretty much be looking over there at my laptop. But I think we've got a pretty good positioning going here between you guys on TikTok and you guys on Facebook. Now, if you like what you hear and you're over on Facebook, Please be sure to show me some love, send, send me some hearts, send me some happy faces, send me some thumbs up. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, that puts us up higher in the algorithm at Facebook and uh, keeps keeps them putting us out to more people. Same thing with TikTok. If you like what you hear with this book today, please do me a favor and tap those hearts. Tap that screen, double tap, double tap the screen, because the more of those we get, the higher up we go in the algorithm, and I'm trying to build this thing up into something really cool. I also have subscriptions, if you're interested. Uh, this is the only show that we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be working with medium Karen Clark, and we're going to be doing ghost stories. We're going to be doing live psychic readings over here, tarot card readings, all that stuff is going to be starting up in the next couple weeks here. So it might be a good time to subscribe, get in early on it, all right? But again, no one's, no, no one's forced to buy gifts or spend money or anything like that. All they do is, if, if you guys decide you want to do that, that helps me to go towards funding for the show as a whole. Okay. Um, again, my name is Charlotte. I host the California Haunts uh, Paranormal Investigation Team radio show on Facebook and, and YouTube and Twitch. And uh, hopefully we can start getting things built up over on TikTok and I can get the technology to where 
I can actually ship it by short on, on TikTok as well. We're, uh, we, we are Sunday through Friday, and we have a, para, a different type of paranormal guest on every night. If you're into UFOs, if you're into ghosts, if, if you're into Sasquatch, if you're into any kind of cryptids or anything like that, we cover all that on the show. So you can see that, and normally you can see that over at YouTube.com forward slash at California Haunts. And you can start doing that on Tuesday again when I get out of YouTube jail, because I am, I am in YouTube jail. Okay? Uh, so, uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, you can find me on Facebook under my name, Charlotte Cosa. You can find me. You can find California Haunts on Facebook in varying names. Sacramento Seer Psychic Group. That's our, that's our psychic team. Uh, you can find me over on Instagram under Ghosty Gal. You can find me again on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. You can find us on Twitch under Cal Haunts. You can find us on TikTok under uh, California Haunts. And, of course, you can find us over, I'm sorry, TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. Yeah, California Haunts. And you can find us over at, at Twitter under California Haunts. I remember all that stuff. Roughly, you get all this, you know. Anyway, again, I got it. Guys, and that goes for TikTok and for Facebook. If you like what you hear today, uh, please tap that screen. Double tap the screen. You know, I'm just looking, I'm just looking to build this up, get as many likes as I can, and start rolling with it. One more quick thing to add in is that, again, we're PG-13, P rated, and sometimes rated R. So if you hear something in this book that you don't like, please, you know, please feel free to leave. You know, I don't want to be banned for seven days, okay? I can't control what's in the book. I'll, I will try to read around stuff that I, I think might, you, know, might, you might find offensive. I'll do my best to do that. But if, if you find something that you don't like that's offensive, you know, that, that's why you can just go on, you know, move, move on to another creator, Okay different content creator but I, I hope you I, I, I hope you stick with us I hope you listen you know this is something we do every Sunday and it's become a popular thing over on Facebook so yeah okay so without further ado let me see I got a message coming up on Facebook over here and ah okay Jerry Bazer how you doing all right so like I said a couple weeks a couple months I hope to have an iPad so I can answer you guys over there on TikTok Okay, again, double tap that screen, and here we go. We're going to read Omnipresent. This is day one of this Omnipresent we read every Sunday. So here we go. Here's the forward. This is written by our good friend, again, Lynn Monet. We have full permission to read this. Shortly after a difficult divorce that zeroed my excellent credit rating, plus continued child support issues, my family's 2,700-square-foot home went into foreclosure. Even my working three jobs while trying to sell the house was not enough to save it. And because of my damaged credit, my children and I were left with nowhere else to go other than a temporary housing. I decided to move out of the state of Florida to be near my mother in North Carolina. I found a 17-year-old, much deteriorated, single-wide trailer that I was able to purchase with my tax refund money, plus savings for a grand total of $5,000. Much relieved, I moved into it with my two children, Brittany, age 7, and Austin, age 1. Over a period of five and a half years, I renovated the once old trailer into a new condition. I also rebuilt my credit and was once again able to qualify for a mortgage loan. I looked forward to living in a house with a yard. I was ready to move and began looking at homes for my family. I contacted a realtor who advised me to also contact my bank for a pre-approved loan. This information would be helpful with my search as it would give us a price range of houses to start looking into. I was so proud to have a pre-approved status once again. The loan amount that I had been approved for on my single-parent income made it a challenge to find a decent house. It took me almost a year and a half of searching to finally find what I thought was going to be the perfect home for my family and me. Life could never have prepared my family or me for the horrors that we endured after the purchase of our new home. It was a time of heartbreaking disappointment, confusion, and questioning of my faith. I have a deep love for God the Almighty. Never in a million years would I have thought that my faith would be tested in such a severe way. My bond with God is even stronger today and my understanding richer. Here is my story, along with the stories of eight of the 13 witnesses that either I witnessed or experienced paranormal activity in my new home. The remaining stories I have retold to the best of my recollection, as they were told to me in the cases of witnesses that I could no longer find. Those names have been changed in this book. I'm not a writer or author. This is simply what happened. You can believe it or not. During the writing of this book, the script has completely disappeared two different times and had to be rewritten. I'm shocked 
at the lack of real help that is out there for this kind of thing, and how expensive the help can be once it is found, whether it works or not. No guarantee, no refund. If you suspect that you have ghosts and have never had a diagnosis of schizophrenia, you probably do. If your child tells you that they saw something similar more than once, I would bet that they did. Even though you cannot see it, it doesn't mean that it's not there. Believe it. You don't need someone to come to your place, take pictures, rile up your ghosts, take your money, and then leave, with the, leave you with angry spirits. That kind of defeats the purpose, don't you think? I will explain in detail how to determine if you have ghosts in your house at the end of this book. Dealing with ghosts is not a game and should not be taken lightly. Okay, let me get in here. I'll be inclusive. Okay. Okay, she says, um, please open your reading with a prayer of your choice for protection. Uh, you'll notice that throughout this book that Satan is, per is, is purposely spelled in lowercase. Several people who have read, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say the word Satan because I don't want to bring stuff into my house. So I'm going to call it the evil one. Okay, we're just going to keep it at that. That the evil one is perfectly spelled in lowercase. Several people who have read the book and preview have noticed lights flickering in their homes or taking toy or, or talking toys being turned on when no one is around them. Since then, each page has been blessed and has come to cross the seal content bottom of each page. If you do not have a prayer, I've chosen the Lord's Prayer. Feel free to lose it if, use it if you wish. In other words, guys, just be prepared that maybe things might be going on. Could happen to me, could happen to you just by listening. Because ghosts do that. I've been a ghost hunter for 19 years. And sometimes even watching TV, they'll come through the TV. Okay? Because you're fascinated and looking at it. Alright? So, I'm just giving you an FYI on this. Just like she's giving us an FYI on this. Alright? So, here we go. And I'm going to ask before I even start this. As I'm not going to pray. I will ask my family who, stayed, who after death have stayed in my house. I'm going to ask them to watch over me, which is what I'm doing right now. Please watch over me while I read this book and keep anything that might come at me and try to get in the house out. That's all I'm going to do simply. All right? Okay. Well, let's get started. Uh, the first chapter is First Impressions, and away we go. And again, tap, double tap that screen. I'm trying to build up my likes, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. I'd really appreciate it. All right, guys, here we go. After five and a half years of dealing with the issues of being a single mom and raising young children in a trailer park, it was time to move. I was tired of the regular window peepers, neighbors' questionable activities, a snake-filled creek near my bedroom wall, and worst of all, the helpless feeling of using a 911 system that, that puts you on hold to transfer your call and it showed up 30 to 45 minutes later. Needless to say, I was thrilled when I got a call from my real, real estate agent telling me about a house that had just been listed that day. It was in East Flat Rock, North Carolina, about 25 minutes away from my current dwelling. This home is almost too good to be true, and it is in your price range, she said to me. Then she gave me a few details about the house. After hearing about it, I remember thinking, I wonder why this fantastic house is priced so low. I was hopeful that this house would be the home to finally end my search. I agreed to meet with my realtor at her office an hour later. We would go together to see this too good to be true house. I had been looking at houses for well over a year. The search has been disappointing. Most of the homes that I had been qualified for were either older homes in need of multiple repairs and upgrades or were within a few blocks of a stinky paper mill. I was so excited to think that I might have a chance to get this house. This house sounds perfect for your family's needs, my realtor said. I could hardly wait to see the house and got ready to go as fast as I could. I quickly drove over to the real estate office. When I arrived, my realtor Jane was standing outside of her office waiting for me. She greeted me with a big smile and papers in her hand. Let's go. I don't, want to have, I don't want this house to get away, she said. I got into her car, and as she drove, I looked over the printouts that she'd given me. The printouts had pictures of the interior and exterior of the house. They also had listings of all the particulars in the house and neighborhood, such as great schools and a location on, on a dead-end street close to the hospital and, the, and, and other things. I was overwhelmed with all the extras that the house had to offer. I again wondered why this house was listed at such a low price. I could hardly believe that the house shown on the papers in front of me would ever be something that I could afford. The printout showed that it was 2,400 square feet. It was a 2,400 square feet, two-story brick home with three nice-sized bedrooms, large closets, and two bathrooms. It had a formal living room and dining area. 
a breakfast nook, a family room with a fireplace, a 13 by 15 bonus room, a two-car garage with a workshop, and was situated on a half-acre lot. I remember thinking how perfect this house sounded for a family with children. I asked Jane if she was sure that the listing price for this house was correct, and I asked her to call the listing agent to confirm the acting price of $133,900. I didn't want to get my hopes up, just in case there was a mistake. I was convinced, after seeing that, after seeing all about this house had to offer, that the listed price had to be a printing error. The price was then confirmed by the listing agent to be correctly listed. I continued to look through the papers in front of me and became concerned that for this house to be priced so low that something must be terribly wrong with it. I thought that maybe there could be a sinkhole in the neighbor's backyard or a dump nearby. I asked Jane to once again call the listing agent and ask if there was anything majorly wrong with the house or the neighborhood. A house like this is in great school in a great school district, desirable neighborhood, and low county county taxes would have easily sold for two hundred fifty thousand. I knew this from experience of looking at houses in the area. I never imagined that I would be able to afford a house on this grand scale. I was trying very hard not to get my hopes up, but after several more calls to the listing agent, I was reassured the listing price was correct. The house was in great condition. There were no sinkholes, city dumps, or nuclear plants nearby, and it had indoor plumbing. The listing agent explained that the home's current owner was a motivated seller. She said that he needed to transfer farther away for his job. Therefore, he and his family had already moved out of that house. This made the house even more desirable as it was moving ready. The owner was supposedly paying two mortgages and was anxious to sell. The East Flat Rock home was vacant and in ready condition for the next unsuspecting family to move in. The ride to East Flat Rock house took about 20 minutes from the realtor's office. As we got closer to the home, I started looking over the surrounding neighborhood. It appeared to have very, very nice moderate brick homes. There were a lot of conveniences, including a hospital nearby, which is important to me because I was a nurse. I was still trying hard not to get my hopes up. Being a person of sound faith, I took a moment to ask for the Lord's guidance and that if it was his will for me to have this house, that his, his will would be done. I trusted the Lord's decision in whatever way it would turn out. After 18 minutes of driving, we were almost there. As we approached our destination, Jane said to me, here is the street that your new home is on. We already turned onto the street and started looking for the house number. There it was, the second house on the left. It was a beautiful split-level home with large windows and what happened to be a newer built deck on the back. I liked the huge flat yard with the mature trees. The tall cypress trees lined the backyard lot line and overlooked a three-acre mowed grass lawn. The previous family must have had a really hard time leaving this house, I told Jane. It has lots of room for gardening and play. The home would be perfect for my family, especially mine. For any family, I'm sorry, especially mine. As we pulled into the driveway, I was excited and hopeful that this would be my family's new home. Jane and I got out of her car and walked up the cement walkway to the large double entry doors. The house exterior appeared to be freshly painted, and there was a large decorative light hanging high overhead in the entryway. Jane accessed the key box and then attempted to unlock the front door deadbolt with the two keys that had been left for entry purposes. At first, the keys would not go into the deadbolt lock at all. Jane said to me, I think that these might be the wrong keys. After a few more tries with each of the keys, one of the keys finally slipped right into the deadbolt lock. But now the key wouldn't turn or slip back out of the lock. So after many tries with great difficulty to either turn either key or take it back out, Jane said, I don't know what to do. The key's stuck. She tried one more time. Finally, the key turned, and we were able to open the door. A little WD-40 should fix that sticky lock, Jane said. Then she had a struggle to get the key back out of the lock. Okay, let me get this. Okay, back out of the lock. While waiting for Jane to come inside and show me the house, I entered the foyer. The foyer. I stood there admiring the high ceilings and spaciousness of the home. Off of the foyer were ascending and descending stairs. I wanted to view the upper level first. As I turned to go up the stairs, I saw out of my peripheral vision a flash of what seemed to be a young man hanging inside of the stairwell. He hung from the wrought iron railing over the descending stairs that lead down in the family room. I gasped and turned to look directly at the area to the stairwell where I had just seen the young man hanging and nothing was there. Like I said, if you become uncomfortable with this, you have the option of just taking off and not 
you know, putting in a complaint to TikTok because I don't want to get banned. This is a true story of somebody who bought a haunted house and wasn't told it was haunted. All right. But on the other hand, if you like what you see, double tap that screen, show me some love, show me some hearts. Same thing with Facebook. It startled me. I remember thinking to myself, what on earth was that? Then I wondered, why would I even be thinking about something so horrible? I let the thought go, so obviously nothing was there, and I would not think about it anymore that day. I continued up the stairs to the top and peered into a large living room with cream-colored carpeting. It had a hallway to my right that went down to the three bedrooms and two bathrooms. To my left, just past the wrought iron railing, was the entryway to the kitchen and breakfast nook area. I could see that just off the nook was a large formal dining room. I was very impressed. I remained at the top of the stairs, waiting for Jane to catch up. As I waited, I enjoyed losing myself for a moment. I imagined where I would place my things. I envisioned my children sprawled out on the floor watching television with a big bowl of popcorn and having fun. I even thought about how nice my Christmas tree would look between the two windows at Christmas time. Still, still at the top of the stairs, I glanced back over my shoulder to see that Jane was still struggling with the stuck key. Then I looked forward again into the empty living room. All of a sudden, I had this sensation of seething anger coming at me. It felt like I was being charged by an angry bull. The feeling was so intense that it made me take a step back. I had to grab the stair rail so as not to fall down the stairs. It felt like whatever it was like a spider web brushed against the corner of my forehead and cheek. I frantically started to brush my face off with my free hand. My focus shifted from the previous sensation to a more real concern that a spider was crawling on me and the possibility of being bitten by it. What if it's a brown recluse, I remember thinking to myself. I brushed, up, I brushed off the front of my hair, shirt, and shoulders. I looked to see if anything was crawling on me. When I didn't find a spider, I assumed that it could have been some of my own hair brushing against my face or that I managed to wipe off whatever it was. Still feeling a little unnerved about the whole thing, I went back down the stairs to wait in the foyer for Jane. She was almost ready to give up on the challenging deadbolt key. I am afraid that I might break the key off and send it to the lock, she said. She tried one more time, and all of a sudden, the lock released. The key slid out of the lock easily, and Jane dropped it on the ground. I will mention this lock issue to the listing agent, Jane said. I followed Jane back up the stairs in the living room. I remember thinking that the light-colored carpeting would not stay in good condition for very long with kids. I told Jane that I planned to have wooden flooring installed. I stopped to notice the beautiful view from the living room windows. It seemed very peaceful. Then we walked into the kitchen and breakfast nook area. The kitchen cabinets were older. They had been painted white and were in good condition. I loved the idea of having a window over the kitchen sink to look out of. After all, I would be spending a lot of time there. The breakfast nook was spacious and bright. It had three large side-by-side -side windows, which made the room filled with sunshine. The, uh, the appliances appeared to be newer. The refrigerator came complete with an ice and water dispenser in the door, which is something that I had always wanted. The appliances were included with the, side, with the sale of the house. This, of course, was an additional bonus and selling point for me. As Jane and I walked from room to room, I envisioned how I would decorate each one. I started picking out paint colors for each room in my head. When we finally came to the bedrooms, I was very pleased with the sizes and nice large closets. I told Jane, my kids have been sleeping in a nine by eight bedroom, have been sleeping in nine by eight bedrooms with closets the size of a single wide refrigerator, and that they would be absolutely thrilled with new larger bedrooms. We proceeded down the stairs to view the lower level. As we descended, I had a strong feeling of someone following me. Of course, this could not be possible since Jane and I were the only two people in the house and Jane was walking in front of me. Then I felt something tickle across my right shoulder. I glanced around behind me and started quickly brush off my shoulder. I swiped my hand down as far as I could reach onto my back. I thought that it was a spider, the spider from earlier and that I had not gotten it off after all. Jane looked at me and I told her that I thought something was crawling on me. She checked and said, I don't see anything on your back. We entered the large two-car garage and workshop area at the bottom of the stairs. It looked huge to me. It had a lot of storage space. It was so big that three cars could have actually fit inside, especially if you parked two with one behind the other and one side, and one, and one by, side by side. We continued back inside the house and into the family room. 
I was surprised at its large size. It had a wall of stone with a fireplace centered in the middle of it and a room-length stone hearth. On the adjacent wall was a small window. It was the only window in the room. It allowed for very little light to come into the dark room. It was shaded over by the new deck that had been built outside, over the top of it. All of the downstairs rooms were dark. The 13 by 15 foot bonus room had no windows at all. That didn't really matter to me, since I was going to be using it for indoor storage anyway. We left the room and started back up the stairs when I felt a light tapping on my shoulder. I looked to see what it was and nothing was there. I dismissed the sensation and rubbed my shoulder, thinking it was a muscle twitch or something. I wanted to walk through the upstairs a second time. When we finished our indoor tour, it was time to look outside. I was very pleased with the amount of privacy given by the mature trees and the grass lot behind the house, yet having neighbors close enough by to have that neighborhood feeling and children for my kids to make friends with. I knew that this was the house for me. Would you be able to return with me later this afternoon? I asked Jane. I want to bring my children over to the house. Yes, Jane replied. However, I have an appointment this afternoon and won't be able to meet with your family until after 3 p.m. That's fine, I said, since my children will still be in school until then anyway. I'm concerned about the possibility of losing the chance to get the house, and I want to be sure to make an offer on it today. I agree. This house will not last on the market very long, Jane responded. I did need to remind her of all the houses I had previously missed out on, simply because of my wanting to wait a week to think about it first. Later that afternoon, when I picked my children up from school, we made a quick stop at a trailer. Then we loaded back, back up into my car and drove the 25 minutes to meet with Jane at the house in East Flat Rock. Mommy, they kept asking. When we pulled into the driveway, my son said, Mommy, I love this house. They both immediately got out of the car and started to run joy joyously around in the front yard. When Jane finally got to the sticky lock to open, I called Brittany, age 12, and Austin, age 6, to come in and look around inside the house. They entered the house and raced up the stairs, then from room to room, picking out their bedrooms. I could hear them down the hallway making plans for their new rooms. Their laughter filled the empty house. Then they came up to me and asked permission to go downstairs to view the rooms below. A short time after they went downstairs, Brittany determined Brittany returned to me with a somber expression on her face and said, Mommy, I don't want to live here. At first, I thought that I had not heard her correctly. And I asked her, What did you say? I don't want to live here. I don't like this house. This upset me, as I could not imagine how she would not like this gorgeous house. We had been living in an old single white trailer with, with very little yard at this time. I asked her why. There is something weird about this house that I don't like. I stood there with Jane, feeling a bit embarrassed at my daughter's comment. I firmly told Brittany that the decision was not hers to make. I figured that my daughter's reasoning for not wanting to move into this house was that she didn't want to move away from her familiar school and friends. I thought that it would take some time for her to adjust, and that once we moved into the house, she would change her mind. Brittany and Austin would have the whole summer to get to know the other kids in the neighborhood. Brittany would also realize that her old friends were just a 25-minute car right away, and this would make her feel better about the move. I would be very proud as a single mother to provide such a grand home for my family. This house was the nicest that I had seen. It was also a steal for the price that was being asked. Brittany and Austin went outside to play. I walked into the kitchen with Jane. We both noticed that since we had previously been to view the house, several other people had been over to look at it too. A pile of realtors' business cards had been left on the countertop. I didn't want this house to get away. I prayed for the Lord's guidance in making my bid for the house and for his will to be done. I then made a moderate offer for the house. Jane called the listing agent to inform her that we were going back to her office and planned to fill out the necessary paperwork for a bid. The listing agent told Jane that another offer had also been made that day for the house. She said that both offers would be considered, along with any others that came in before midnight and that she would call her in the morning to let her know the outcome. I could hardly sleep that night, waiting for the results. My realtor called me the next morning to tell me that the owner had accepted my offer. I could hardly believe it. I was so happy that I started dancing around the room while thanking Almighty God for his gift and blessing. The children and I have been through so much. I thought this was my family's reward for having been through so many hard times. Ironically, 
That same morning, after I had gotten home from dropping my children off at school, I walked into the master bedroom of my single wife to find one of the plumbing pipes had burst underneath that particle board flooring. My floor was caved in, and my carpet lay soaking wet over the joists. Half of the master bedroom floor was ruined by the time I had gotten home. I had to get my neighbor to help shut the water off at the main valve. I felt that this was also a sign from God that it was time to move. I had the pipes fixed and listed the trailer up for sale as is that day. I figured that even with the master bedroom floor issue, I should still be able to get at least what I had originally paid for it. I had refurbished it so nicely inside and out. I called Jane and told her that I wanted to have a home inspection done on the East Flat Rock house. She recommended a man that she knew to be a reputable inspector. I called him and scheduled an appointment for him to come over and inspect the following week. The day of the inspection was a gorgeous sunny day. I was so happy it wasn't raining. I wanted to make sure to get a good roof inspection, especially since the current owners could not tell me the age of the roof. The current owner himself had owned the house for one year. I wanted to make sure it was in good condition. The realtor met with the inspector at the house and let him inside to start the inspection. I arrived at the house shortly afterwards and remained there during the inspection. The inspector pointed out a few things that needed to be fixed. When the inspection was completed, let's see, okay, 20 different things of varying degrees were found and needed repair or replacement. I submitted the whole list to the owner. I took the chance with the understanding that if the owner didn't want to fix or negotiate the repairs on the list, it would cancel our contract for the sale of the house. I left it in God's hands once again. The owner didn't question my request, and all the repairs were done. I thanked God again. The date for the closing was set and quickly approaching. I wanted to have a few renovations completed on the house before moving in. I decided that since there were only eight weeks of school left, that I would have my children finish their school year at their current schools. In the meantime, I would have the wooden flooring installed in the house and set up my kids' new normal-sized bedrooms to quorum and all. Then we would move into the house over the summer. This would allow Brittany and Austin time to make friends in our new neighborhood before starting school. They would then start in their new schools at the beginning of the next school year. The day finally arrived for the closing. The selling family arrived excuse me, excuse me. The selling family arrived allergies arrived two hours more than two hours late to sign the papers. During that time I signed my part of the paperwork. As the seller sat and signed his papers, I spoke with his wife about how hard it must have been for them to move from such a great house. In that conversation with her, I found out that they had relocated only about 25 minutes away from the home. The husband was still working at the same job and in the same location. The seller's family was living in a temporary situation with relatives. I had been under the impression that the husband had to relocate for his job and that this made their move necessary. It seemed a little odd, but I didn't ask. They agreed that the house was nice and that it was in a great location. I mentioned to the wife that I was going to take out the carpet and sold with flooring. That's what we wanted to do, too, she said. Then she wistfully looked down. I didn't want to pry, as I figured that they were moving for personal reasons, since it didn't seem to be because of his job after all. I reassured them that I would take good care of their loving home and thank them for giving me the opportunity to buy such a house for my family. The closing went smoothly. I was surprised when the closing was finished, and the couple who had sold me the house was handed a check for only about $1,000. I am sure the repairs on the house cost them about that much. I felt kind of bad for them, but they seemed relieved to have the closing over. We shook hands and they handed me the keys. Little did I know that I had just been handed the keys to my new nightmare. Coming into chapter two. If you guys like what you hear, be sure to double tap that screen. Please double tap that screen. I'm looking to build up my likes on, on TikTok and thumbs up and smileys and hearts over on Facebook. All right, I'm going to check my Facebook audience real quick, you guys, before we get to the Okay. So chapter two, locks and lights. After receiving the keys to my new house, I returned to my old trailer and picked up my children. We gathered ingredients for a taco dinner, along with supplies for cooking and serving. This would be our first supper in our new house. We loaded up the car as, as full as we could get it with boxes to be moved. Each child brought along one of their most prized possessions to place in their new bedrooms. Brittany brought, Brittany brought her TV and PlayStation. Austin brought his baseball bat and glove. 
Despite Brittany's early apprehension, everyone seemed to be excited. The kids were anxious to arrive at East Flat Rock. I kept asking me again, Mommy, how much longer until we get there? Finally, we arrived and pulled into the driveway of our new home. Brittany and Austin jumped out of the car. They each grabbed the items that they had brought along and raced up the front stairs. Raced up to the front doors. I got the keys out of my purse. I attempted to put one of the keys into the deadbolt lock and then the other. Neither of them would go into the lock. I thought to myself that the previous owners must have given me the wrong keys. Then I remembered what a hard time the realtor originally had getting the keys to work in the lock. So I continued to try and get the keys to work. After multiple attempts at slightly bending one of the keys, I was ready to give up. I told Brittany and Austin that I could not get the keys to go in the keyhole, and I wondered if maybe someone had changed the locks. I remember thinking that at this point, I could even call a locksmith to help us. I couldn't even call a locksmith to help us. I had no proof that the house was mine yet. We had just closed on the house hours earlier, and the paperwork wasn't going to be registered with the court until the upcoming Monday. Austin asked if he could try the keys, so I let him. The key slid right in the lock, like butter, and then turned just as easily to open. I was surprised and grateful to get the door open. My children rushed inside, into the foyer, and set it, and then up the stairs. I now struggled to get my keys back out of the lock. I finally gave up and left the door open with my keys dangling from the lock. When I finished unloading the car, we finished unloading the car. Then I returned to the front door to retrieve my keys. I found them lying on the ground in front of the door. I just assumed that one of my children had taken them out and, in the excitement of moving in, had forgotten to give them to me. I vowed to bring WD-40 with me the next day. I planned to drench the lock in it so that there would be no further sticking problems. The kids went into their new bedrooms and placed their personal items to mark the territory. I carried boxes up, from the, boxes up from the garage into the kitchen and unpacked the items. I could hear my children playing together down the hallway in Brittany's bedroom. Once I had finished unpacking the boxes in the kitchen, I went into the formal dining room and started removing the carpet, padding, and staples. I wanted to prepare the subfloor for the wooden flooring that was to be installed. I had limited funds as a single mom and figured that the more work that I did myself, the less I would have to pay someone else to do. At around 6 p.m., I stopped pulling up carpet and washed up to prepare our first dinner in the new house. I was standing in the kitchen preparing the food when my daughter Brittany came into the kitchen doorway. What did you want me for? Brittany asked. Excuse me, my allergies are really bad. Okay. I didn't call you, I replied. Yes, you did, she insisted. You called me the first time and I answered you that I was coming. Then you called me again right after. What did you need me for? I didn't call you, I insisted. Yes, you did, Brittany argued. I swore on my life that I didn't call you, I responded. I swore on my life that you did, she said. I told her that I had heard her say she was coming and thought she was talking to her brother. I did not call you, I repeated. Then Austin came into the kitchen doorway and peered inside from underneath Brittany's arm. Mommy, you did call Brittany, he said. I heard you calling her, too. Well, Brittany is a popular name, I said. Maybe there's another Brittany nearby. And since it is supper time, maybe her mom was outside calling her Brittany inside for dinner. Maybe that's, what you, maybe that's who you heard calling Brittany's name. I'm sure this mystery will be solved. Once we get to know some of the kids in the neighborhood, I'm sure this other Brittany that you heard being called will make, you, will make a nice friend. We ate dinner, and afterwards my kids went outside to play in the front yard. I watched them from the window as I cleaned up the kitchen and unpacked more boxes. I pulled up carpet until it started to get dark outside. It was time to head back to the trailer and get my children ready for bed. I stopped working and loaded the empty boxes that I unpacked back in my car. I told my kids that it was time to go. I locked the sliding glass doors and the garage doors and turned off the lights. I locked the front door, without difficulty, and then left for the trailer. I was planning to return the next morning. The following morning, after loading the car with more prepacked boxes and dropping my children off at their schools, I headed over to the East Flat Rock house. I had planned to continue pulling up carpet and prepping the floors. I wanted to get as much, I'm so sorry about my allergies, I wanted to get as much done as possible before needing to pick my kids up that afternoon. I drove straight over and pulled into the driveway. I made sure to have, God dang, it's hot, to have WD-40 in hand for the sticky lock. I approached the double entry doors and sprayed the WD-40 in the dead, dead bolt lock and knob, and knob lock, and then soaked the key, the key before putting it in the lock. 
all went well. The key went in smoothly, the lock turned easily, and then the key came right back out. I entered the house with boxes and carried them up the stairs in the kitchen. I stacked the boxes down on the countertop. I turned to go back out to the kitchen and get more boxes for the car when I noticed that the ceiling light and the stove lights were turned on. I don't remember those lights being left on last night, I thought. I was sure that I had checked everything. I figured that either I had overlooked them or maybe one of my kids had, had trailed back into the house looking for something and left them on. Yet, I questioned how either one of them would have been able to reach the light over the stove since neither was tall enough. Then I started to notice as I went down the, the hallway that every light in every room was turned on. I was certain that these lights were turned off the night before when we left. Rationalizing to myself, I assumed that someone in the neighborhood must have been entrusted with a key by the previous owner for security purposes. The house had been vacant for a short period of time prior to my purchasing it. I thought the designated person may not have been known, may not have known the property, that the property had been sold to a new owner. I figured that whoever had been entrusted with the key must have come by the house after we left to check on it and had left the lights turned on. I planned to have the locks changed since all the renovations had been finished. Once all the renovations had been finished, and we were completely moved in the house. I started to go across the street and introduce myself to my new neighbors. I also wanted to inquire about the possibility of someone in the neighborhood having a key to my house. I went out the garage door to get the last few boxes out of my car and noticed that at the house across the street, there was an older gentleman who was unloading groceries from the trunk of his car. I thought this would be a perfect time for a quick visit. So I walked across the street, and as I walked up the man's driveway, he turned to face me and said, well, hello there. I said hello in return and introduced myself, saying, I am the new owner of the house across the street. He welcomed me to the neighborhood. I asked, do you know of anyone in the neighborhood that might have been entrusted with a key to the house by the previous owner? I told him about the lights being turned on in the house and asked if he had noticed anyone in the house after my kids and I left the night before. No, he said. My wife and I took our evening walk at around 9 p.m., and I don't remember seeing any lights on at your place except for the lights that are lighting your walkway. I believe that those lights are on a timer. I remember when the guy who owned the place before you put those lights in. So I thought that maybe all the lights were on a timer, and that I would have to figure out how to shut the timer off. I thanked my new neighbor and walked back across the street into my garage. I closed and secured both of the pull-down garage doors and the shop door. Then I moved all the boxes up against the shop door to leave room for the next load of the boxes. I left the garage and continued up the stairs to the main level, where I pulled up more carpet until it was time for me to pick my kids up from school. This time, I made sure that all the lights were, were turned off before leaving the house and that the exterior doors were locked. I exited the house through the front double entry doors. I reached down to manually lock the knob lock, and then I closed the door. I put my key into the deadbolt lock and tried to turn it. It would not turn. I then unlocked the knob lock and shut the door. This time I attempted to lock the deadbolt first, and the key still would not turn. I pulled the door into the door frame as hard as I could. I thought that maybe I didn't have the door lined properly with a jam, but the key still would not turn. I finally took the key back out of the lock and reopened the door to manually lock the knob, knob lock, then shut the door. I tried one more time to lock the deadbolt, and it finally turned but with great difficulty. I was afraid that I was going to break the key off and lock. I took the key out and shook the door to make sure that it was secure. I glanced at the key and noticed that it was bent even more. I did not return to the East Flat Rock House that day. On my way to the East Flat Rock House, the next day, the next morning, and every morning, I would pray. I didn't ever get much quiet time for myself as a single mother and made my car trips alone a time to worship to, to Almighty God. I thanked him for all of his many blessings and asked for his guidance. I arrived at the house and pulled into the driveway. I got out of my car and walked up to the front door with my keys in hand and more, WD-40. I sprayed the key with WD-40. As, as I went in to place my key in the deadbolt, the door pushed open to the end of the house. I had not even touched the knob lock yet. I was surprised and rationalized that once again that maybe I had not probably aligned the door to the jam. This would also explain why I could not get the deadbolt to cooperate the day before. I also felt that this was the reason that the door opened by itself. I entered the foyer and proceeded up the stairs to the main level. 
I went into my new kitchen to set my purse and keys down on the countertop. Then I went into the formal dining room to open the sliding glass doors and let some fresh air inside. When I went to unlock the glass doors, I noticed that the door had already been unlocked. The handle lock wasn't done, and the pin lock at the top was left dangling by its chain. I remember checking it. I remember checking the locks the day before. I briefly considered a moment that it might have been something that I had overlooked. I could not imagine how they got unlocked. Still puzzled, I slid the glass doors open. Then I went down the stairs into the garage to open the, the roller garage door and unloaded the boxes from my car. I found that the garage doors were also unlocked. I now figured that it must have been something that I did wrong, since nothing else made sense. I considered that I had turned the locks the wrong way, and instead of locking them, I had accidentally unlocked them. Then I noticed that the workshop door was also unlocked, including the chain lock, which was left dangling against the door frame. I thought, as I stood there baffled, that I knew for a fact the chain on the door was locked. In order for the chain part of that door to have been undone, someone would have had to have been on the inside of the garage. This disturbed me, as I looked at the many boxes that had been piled up against the door. Whoever it was that unlocked the chain would have, been, would have had to move the many boxes I had stacked, chest level high, and two rows deep from in front of the door. Then they would have to have undone the chain, the chain lock, and move all the boxes back in front of the door. Now I was certain that someone else had a key to this house. So back across the street I went to the neighbor's house. I walked up their driveway and knocked on their front door. Both the husband and wife answered the door this time. Have you seen or noticed anyone playing in my yard or inside the house after I left yesterday, I asked. Nope, they both replied. When I came to do work on my house today, I found all the locks had been unlocked. I was pretty sure that I had secured everything before I left yesterday. I figured that someone with a key had been inside after I had left and didn't look back up. Didn't walk back up. The wife spoke up and said, I'm not trying to be a nosy neighbor, but I was washing my lunch dishes yesterday when you were leaving. I noticed you were having a hard time locking the front door. I remember seeing you double back a second time. Hang on a second. Double, I remember seeing you double back a second time after almost reaching your car to check the security of the door by shaking it and it appeared to be locked. I had forgotten about even doing that. I asked them to please call the police if they saw anyone in or around the house and they had to call me. I gave them my telephone number and told them that I would come to East Flat Rock on a moment's notice, if there were any problems with the house. I told them that no one should be at the house unless I was also there and that I would inform them if, inform them if otherwise. They agreed to help. I thanked them and went back into my house. I finally finished pulling up the last bit of the carpeting, staples, stripping, and nails. When I finished, I cleaned up and was ready to leave for the day. I went back to triple check that all the lights were turned off and the lock secured before leaving my usual 2 p.m. for Asheville. I didn't plan to return to East Flat Rock House until the following Tuesday. Chapter 3, Chilling Gusts and Eerie Voices. For everybody on TikTok, again, this is a PG-13 channel. Uh, the author and publisher are allowing me to read this book. I read a, uh, a horror paranormal book every Sunday. I'm going to read for about an hour. And again, if, if, you, if you hear something in here that you're not comfortable with, uh, please don't hesitate. Just leave. You know, don't worry about it. But please don't like turn me into TikTok to ban me. All right, I'm reading out of a book. So if there's anything in here that you know might uh, cause issues out in the real world, I'm trying to skip over them. Okay, so just to let you know. I mean, that's why you have a move on button. You can go see somebody else. Somebody else is live. But I really appreciate you guys coming. I really do. And if you do like what you hear on TikTok and Facebook, please be sure to give me thumbs up, send me some hearts, send me some happy faces. I really appreciate it. Double tap that screen. And I'm just trying to build up my channel, trying to build it up like, like everybody else. All right, let's continue. Chilling gusts and eerie voices. After recuperating from my weekend graveyard shift and dropping my kids off at school, I returned to the house. I planned to start painting the ceilings. I had my car loaded with ceiling paint and supplies. The East Flat Rock house had been built in the middle of the 1970s, and the ceilings looked like they, they had not been painted since the original owners resided in it. They were yellowed. I wanted to put a coat of white paint on each, to re, on, on each to refresh them. I figured that it would be best to paint all the ceilings before any wood flooring was installed. I arrived at the house, entered the front door with a can of paint in each hand. I carried them up the stairs to the upper main level, 
and set the cans down at the very top of the stairs when, all of a sudden, I heard this loud, rhythmic snoring coming from the upper level. I'm sorry, coming from the level below. That's spooky. I immediately thought that someone was inside the house, like a vagrant or a squatter. I was sure this was who had been turning on the lights and unlocking the doors. I became more angry than scared at that point. I went to my son's bedroom and got his baseball bat. Then I went down the first set of ascending stairs and quietly opened the double front entry doors. I thought that the neighbors would be able to hear me screaming for help. I figured that they would come over and help me, even faster than the, than the police. Then I dialed 911 on my cell phone with my thumb on the send button. I hesitated to call the police, only because the rhythmic sound that emitted from below from below didn't have the normal variations the snoring has. It was evenly up and down. This made me have some suspicions that it may turn out to be something other than a person. Nevertheless, I wanted to be prepared. As I descended the lower stairs, I hit my finger on the send button. It didn't occur to me that I didn't have much room to swing my son's bat in the hallway. I didn't care in that moment. I was going to do some whoop butt. I was going to whoop some butt on somebody. I had my son's baseball bat drawn back, ready to swing with every bit of power that I had. I was slowly, I was slowly down at the bottom of the stair, and the sound was even louder, coming from the rooms on the lower level. I slipped one of my hands around the door jam into the first dark room. I felt frantically before the light, the light switch. I quickly flipped the switch on and withdrew my hand, regaining my stance with the bat. The snoring sound instantly stopped as the light turned on. There was dead silence. I stood there for a minute and waited to see if someone would say something or make any noises. I was listening for my kind of sound, for any kind of sound, fabric rubbing together, for breathing, anything that might indicate someone was in the room. My mind went crazy, thinking, what if the person has a gun aimed at the door? I very cautiously looked around the door frame into the room and nothing was there. Now I became scared. My palms started to sweat, causing me to drop my cell phone onto the floor in front of me. I contemplated whether or not to bend over and pick it up. I decided not to. I felt that my bending over would leave me in a vulnerable position and would give whoever was there the advantage over me. I stood there waiting in the stairwell hallway, ready to swing my baseball bat as hard as I could. After a few minutes of total silence, I let go of the bat with one hand and put my hand on the other dark, into the other dark room. I quickly felt for the light switch. The light went on, and again, nothing was there. I felt spooked and relieved at the same time. After inspecting the rooms downstairs, I went into the garage to see if anything out there could have been making the noise, but there was nothing there either. I was shaken. I went back up the stairs and sat down on the top step for a moment to gather my wits. I started to pray, thanking the Lord for watching over me and for his blessings. I thanked him for not letting me call the police. I would have looked like a nutcase if I had called, screaming that someone was in my house when no one was there. I was relieved that everything was okay. I didn't get a lot accomplished that day, as I still felt unnerved for the morning incident. I spent most of my time outside hauling carpet to the roadside, then headed back to the trailer. I decided to take a few days off from moving. I took my children to a birthday party and spent some time with them. I planned to start painting the following week, as I was scheduled to work that weekend and would not be able to return to the house until Tuesday. While on my break at work, I started looking for help to install the wooden flooring. The floors were prepared and ready. I found a handyman that classifies. I wrote down his telephone number to call on Monday. The weekend went by quickly. I slept for a bit after dropping the kids off at school on Monday morning. When I woke up, I started making phone calls to get some estimates for installation of the flooring. The handyman that I called said he was in between construction jobs and was available to do the job within the time frame that I needed. He also quoted a fair price for the installation. I made arrangements with him to meet me at the house the next day for a final estimate. The next morning, I got my children ready for school and agreed to take them to the East Flat, house, Flat Rock house after school for our first sleepover there. My daughter asked if she could invite her best friend to come along and sleep over too. It was a school night. So I called the parents of my daughter's friend early in the morning, and they agreed to allow their daughter to spend the night with us. I loaded up the blow-up mattresses and linens, along with school clothes and toiletries for the next day in the car. I also fitted a few packages of the wooden flooring to show the handyman. Once the children were at school and the dog at my mother's house, 
I drove 25 minutes to East Flat Rock and arrived at the house for the meeting with the handyman. As I waited for him to arrive, I unloaded the boxes and wooden floor tiles from the car to the garage. Just as I finished, the handyman pulled in the drive. I walked with him through the house, and he was shocked when I told him how much I had paid for it. You got a steal of a deal, he said. I scheduled him to install the flooring that upcoming Friday. This would give him two days to lay, to lay the flooring and two days for the adhesive to dry before my return on the following Tuesday. In the meantime, I planned to finish painting the ceilings and walls in the rooms that were having the wooden flooring installed. After the handyman left, I finished painting the ceilings in my son's bedroom, the bathroom, and the hallway just outside of his room. Then I went into the kitchen to clean up the paint. It was getting close it was getting close to time for me to pick up my kids and my daughter's friend from school. Everything in the house seemed peaceful. Everybody was excited about our first night's sleepover in the new house. We stopped at a burger place on the way and picked up some hamburgers, then continued on to the East Flat Rock house. When we arrived, everyone unloaded the items packed for the sleepover. They blew up the mattresses and then went outside to play for a short time. The evening was filled with movies and playing video games. I finished painting the ceilings in the formal dining and living room areas. I left the ceilings unpainted in the rooms that either had carpet or linoleum to be finished at a later time. I stopped and took a moment to admire my hard work. The freshly painted ceilings made the rooms look brighter and newer. Brittany and her friend Brianna slept on an air mattress in her new bedroom. Austin and I camped out in his bedroom on the other mattress. Even though it seemed as if everyone was sleeping by 10 p.m., the girls had managed to stay up late in the early morning hours. At around 3 a.m., Brittany awakened me to tell me that Brianna could not sleep and wanted to go home. She said that something had scared Brianna during the night. They had gotten up and gone in the kitchen for cookies, and that is when Brianna had told my daughter there was something weird about this house. According to Brittany, Brianna would not even go to use the bathroom without having Brittany along, and now she felt so uncomfortable that she wanted to go home. My daughter told me that she had already talked her friend out of wanting to go home earlier, and that this time she couldn't. So I got up and told the girls that I would take Brianna home if she really wanted to go, or I would call her parents to come and pick her up. But it would probably take over an hour to get to East Flat Rock, to East Flat Rock, and the same amount of time for me to take her home. I reminded them that we were getting up to leave in just three hours at 6 a.m. anyway. I could call your parents so that you can talk to them, I offered. I hoped that would help her feel better. She decided to wait the three hours and promised to let me know if she changed her mind. Everybody went back to bed and fell asleep. Then the alarm went off at 6 a.m., and everybody got up and ready for school. On the way to school, I asked Brianna if she felt any better after we had spoken last, and she nodded her head, a tired yes. I dropped everyone off at their schools and then stopped at my mother's house to pick up the dog. Sally. I dropped Sally off the trailer and went back to the East Flat Rock house. I planned to start painting the walls. As I drove south on the interstate, it started to pour down rain. I had concerns about painting with the windows closed because of the rain, yet I knew that time was limited and I needed to have the painting finished in the rooms where the flooring was going to be installed on Friday. I figured that I would not be at the house very long, so I decided to paint with low, with, with low fume paint and with the windows cracked open. I arrived at the house and had to run up to the front doors in the rain. The lock was once again sticking. I stood at the front door getting splattered by the rainwater overflowing from the clog gutter above. It was landing in a puddle next to the entry doors. By the time I was able to gain access into the house, I was soaked up to my knees. The water made my feet slippery inside my sandals, as well as my sandals slick on the bottom. I was all wet without a towel. I stepped into the foyer and shut the door. I turned, then started to walk towards the ascending stairs. I slipped and fell hard onto the linoleum floor in front of the entry doors. My right leg was bent at the knee, up behind me, in an unnatural position. I was in excruciating pain. I lay there, wondering. How on earth am I supposed to get up? I reached for my purse, and after emptying the contents on the floor, I realized that I had left my cell phone in my car. As I lay on the floor, I managed to reposition myself. This seemed to relieve the pain. After I had been laying there for a few minutes, I heard a dog growling ferociously at the front door. It was just inches from my head. It sounded like it was right on the other side of the door. It startled me. I pounded my fist against the door and yelled for the dog to go home. Growling stopped. I figured that it was one of the neighbor's dogs. I made, I made a mental note to find out who the dog belonged to so that I could inform the neighbors, I could inform the owners about the incident. 
and make sure that the dog never bothered my children. Of course, between the heavy rain and the bad dog, I wasn't going back out to my car to get my cell phone anytime soon. I lay on the floor for what seemed like 20 minutes before attempting to get up. I managed to get up off the floor very slowly and bowed my head to pray, thanking the Lord for keeping me safe and that I had not broken any bones. I also thanked him for helping me to get into the house before that bad dog got out there. And for this home that he had provided for my family and I. I slowly started up the stairs and then went down the hallway to my daughter's bedroom to start painting. After completing the second coat of paint in Brittany's room, I moved into Austin's bedroom to start painting his walls. The time flew by quickly, and it was getting close to time to pick, kid, pick my children up for school. I cleaned the paintbrushes in the kitchen and sink, and then went back into Austin's room to get his baseball bat. I wanted to carry it with me while walking out to my car, just in case the ferocious dog was still wandering around outside. I secured the house and left for that day. The next morning, Austin asked if he could... If we, if we could join their sleepover at the new house. I told them that I would bring them to the East Flat Rock House the next night for a sleepover. I then dropped both kids off at school and headed back to Hendersonville County. It started pouring rain again as I got closer to the house. As I pulled into the driveway, it started to lighten up. I thought that I had looked out when the rain started to lighten. It enabled me to get from my car into the house without getting soaked. As I entered the foyer, the rain started pouring again. I said, thank you, God out loud, into the room, and then proceeded up the stairs into the kitchen to gather my painting supplies. I went to Austin's room to apply a second coat of paint. After finishing and waiting for the paint to dry in Austin's bedroom, I decided to start cutting in with paint on the walls in the hallway outside of his bedroom. It was really pouring rain outside. I was standing on the ladder in the hallway, cut, cutting in with the paint along the ceiling line, when I felt this gust of cool air blow right by past me in the hallway towards the bedrooms. As, as it blew past, I felt tugging on the top layer of my hair, on the back of my head. I had mid at that time I had mid-back mid length hair, so I turned to see what my hair had gotten caught on. I assumed that it must have gotten pulled by a nail or something on the wall that I had overlooked while prepping the walls for paint. I didn't find anything on the wall. I wasn't overly concerned with it. It was just one of those things. I continued painting until the cool gust breeze passed me again, only this time in the opposite direction. As it passed, I heard an acute and curt child's voice calling, Mommy. Then right after it, a long, softer, Mommy, followed by a higher-pitched, Mommy, consecutively. This left me feeling very unnerved. Immediately, I descended the ladder and walked down the hallway to see if maybe the front door or window had blown open in the storm. I was looking for an explanation as to what had just happened. I entered my son's bedroom to look out of his window. I wanted to see where the child was that I had just heard calling for his, for his mother minutes earlier. My own kids called me mommy, too. I thought that a child should not be outside in a storm like this. Maybe a kid wandered outside and accidentally got locked out of their house nearby and was calling for his mother to let him back in. I looked out both of my son's windows and then looked out the front door and sliding glass doors. Nothing was there. I saw no child anywhere. I was sure that the mother must have retrieved the child from outside. I walked through the house, checking all the windows and doors to ensure that they were all secure. Everything was locked. Still feeling somewhat perplexed, I decided to stop painting and to clean up early. I planned to return to the house later that afternoon. My family is promised. All right, we're going to stop there. At, uh, we start Chapter 4, and we'll be back next weekend, next Sunday, to, read, to, to start reading with Chapter 4. I hope you guys enjoy this book i like the way it reads it's, it's really easy to read you know so i really like reading this today but i want to thank everybody for coming i know it's sunday night and you guys are getting ready for work or you're having dinner or whatever it's always nice to kind of sit back and have some cocoa or whatever and listen listen to a good ghost story all right uh TikTok, thank you very much i really appreciate you uh, i do have a regular radio show that i do monday through uh friday i'm sorry sunday through friday over on Facebook and YouTube, and if you're interested in that, you can catch us at 6.30 p.m. Pacific every evening, and that's youtube.com at forward slash California Haunts Radio, and you can find us over there. We do broadcast live over there. We also broadcast live on Facebook, so you can check us out there as well, but I do appreciate you guys coming. Uh, if you like what you see, show me some love, everybody. Tap that screen. Tap that screen. TikTok. Um, 
show me some love, give me some thumbs up, give me some hearts over on Facebook and that. I'm just trying, I'm just here, I'm just trying to build up my following and build up everything, you know, to work out on TikTok as well. Karen Clark and I will be starting up on TikTok mid-next week probably. We're going to be doing a show on the Telco stories, different adventures that we've had as investigators. So we're going to be doing that on TikTok next week. Anyway, I want to thank you all again for coming, and I really appreciate it. And TikTok, I'm going to sign off here. But uh, thank you all very much for attending today. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. Now we're back live on Facebook. Welcome, 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 guys. Appreciate you all coming, and uh, I hope I see you tomorrow. Tomorrow will be Michael Gigliardi, and he's going to be talking about life with his growing up with his mother who was possessed. So that's going to be tomorrow. So thank you all, and if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hate the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Hunts Radio. So, uh, yeah, we're just trying to get the word out about this little show. Anyway, thank you guys very much. And I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific.